Acts 4. We are, uh, I'm going to read uh, through verses, through verse 22. Um, and then there's just, there's three things uh, in this that I, I want to talk quickly about. Um, I've shared this before, but I believe that the thing that, uh, the banner that the Lord has raised over this church that is um, going to be the banner over the next great work that has been prophesied that is going to come from here. That banner is going to be obedience and unity. And um, it just seems that now every time I open the word, and I, granted I am in Acts, but every, t- every time I open the word, I, those two themes seem to jump out at me. Um, and so there's a couple of things, three things, in this first 22 verses of Acts 4 that uh, I, I want to talk about in relation to obedience. Um, so here we go, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, wait, sorry, back up for a second and give a little context. This is just after John and Peter have healed the lame man outside of the, the temple gates. Uh, he was begging for money, asked them for money, and they turned and looked at him and said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have we'll give you. And they uh, healed him in the name of Jesus. And so now they're standing in front of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, giving account and basically on trial um, for what they've performed, not necessarily what they've performed, but the name that they have performed it in. So that's kind of the situation that we pick up this story. Um, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh, A little side note to understand that why the Sadducees came upon them and were so upset that they were preaching the, uh, the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection nor in angels and spirits. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees different, didn't. So they were the ones in this moment bringing the accusation because they um, did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. So verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now evening. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morning that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, or by what name, have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, 
they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed notable for that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing, how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. So the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees find themselves in kind of a hard spot. They're real upset that this man, not that this man has been healed so much, is that the man that they had crucified, Jesus, that this miracle was done by the power of his name. So they're kind of stuck in this place where we can't deny that the miracle happened. Everybody in Jerusalem knew this man, and now everybody in Jerusalem now has seen this man up and walking around. So we can't say it didn't happen. It's too notable. So we can't do anything to them. So they find them in this place where all they can do is threaten them. Um, but the first thing that I want to call out and, and kind of make mention of in this is in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, one of the things that I have found in my experience, thankfully not in my church in Portland and thankfully not uh, in our church here, but um, I know lots of young people in Lubbock who attend churches that are focused on knowledge. And I know when I was in college, um, I attended some that it, it just drove me nuts that all it was focused on was just knowing, just like you would know math or know history or know chemistry or know biology, the things we're supposed to learn in school, they knew the things of this book. That was the focus. And what I love in this verse is that these men of the council and the high priests and every one of his house didn't, weren't marveling at them because they had great knowledge of the book, but they marveled at them because they had great wisdom and they were fishermen. They knew who these men were. They were regular guys speaking great truth. Great wisdom. And, you know, we reference this verse over and over again. It is one of our foundational verses in our church that Jesus only did what he saw and only spoke what he heard. These men, Peter and John, were standing in boldness, speaking in obedience what the Holy Spirit was telling them to speak. The power in knowing the word comes, and, and we, we get this key when Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will come to us and bring all things to our remembrance, the things that he said. And to me, that is 
the uh, main function of, of knowing what's in this word. I think of it like ammunition. The Holy Spirit's the gun, and, and I find myself in situations where I, I need to answer either accusation or I need to bring a good word or, you know, spirit is moving and I know something is needing to be said. And inevitably I'll, I'll ask and I'll say, what, what do you want to speak? And a verse will come to mind. That's the Holy Spirit bringing things to our remembrance in the perfect moment that we need it. That's, that's the power of wisdom. That's the way the Holy Spirit takes what we know from this book, what we love reading and, and we want in us, because it becomes ammunition in those moments when he needs to speak it. And that's what causes the world to wonder. Not that we know things are, that are in this, because you know, we'll come against, we'll find ourselves in discussions, I don't know if you have, trying to prove the things in this book by logic. And we will fail every time because there is a, a bridge that has to be jumped for this to really be known, and, and that is faith. And you'll come against that wall in every conversation like that. What's, and we won't ever impress the world because there is always somebody smarter than us. There is, I guarantee you, there are scholars out there that don't believe in the name of Jesus who know this book better than we ever will. But there is no power in it for them. And the power in it for us is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, bringing it into our remembrance in the moment that we need it. You know, Jesus also tells us, take no thought for what you will say in the moment of pressure, in the moment that you are arrested. Take no thought because I will tell you the words that you need to speak. That's what caused these men to marvel at Peter and John, is that as they spoke, they spoke with power. They spoke with wisdom. They spoke what the Holy Spirit told them to speak. All right, point number two. We're, we're going to move quick because I'm excited about cake and cookies. <laughs> um, the, uh, the very next verse is, is the next point I want to talk about, verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So, the fruit of their obedience was their protection in this moment. So, obedience produces this interesting paradox. Jesus told us that we are the light of the world. Obedience to the Spirit will cause that light to shine. It will cause supernatural things to leave us. And, and make no mistake, even if it is a practical act of service, something that doesn't have like a wow factor. That doesn't make it any less supernatural. Anything that we do, the tiniest things that we do in obedience to the Spirit, contain supernatural power within them. And the fruit of that obedience will cause a light to shine. And Jesus tells us the darkness hates the light. Hates it and wants to stamp it out. The thing about obedience is it actually invites persecution. And it, it, we don't necessarily want it to be that way, but that's the truth. We can flip over in Romans chapter 8, and Paul tells us in verses 14 through 18. I'm just going to, I have it marked so that I could read it. So I'm going to read it. 
Verse 14, chapter 8 of Romans. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are nothing and are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So we are actually promised that in obedience we will be persecuted. But the thing about that supernatural fruit of obedience is it causes attention and persecution, but it also is the protection. Let's flip over real quickly to Galatians chapter 5. I think I've got that marked also. I hope I do. Yes, all right. Um, and I want to start in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they, are, and they that are crucified with Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the thing is that the, the fruit that is produced in obedience against such there is no law. The characteristics that obedience produce in us, there is no blame that can be laid to us. So, When we obey the Spirit, we can be guaranteed that there will be attention focused on us in a dark world. We will be a city set on a hill. And not everything in the dark will want the light to shine. But the goodness that obedience brings forth will also be our protection and our righteousness in that moment. All right, point number three, verse 20. I've got four minutes, Sarah said. I've got to get it in there. All right, for we cannot but speak. Let's back up to 19. That makes it a little better. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, that's for you to judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So, you know, I did a little commentary study and reading about what people taught. And the... uh, the kind of the standard view was just that they had witnessed what Jesus had done, and because they had witnessed it, they were compelled to give testimony of it. And I think that's true. But I think that there is more to this compulsion that Peter and John were talking about. And, um, and I wrote out what I wanted to say about it, and it's going to work out good because we don't have a lot of time left. So here we go. John and Peter were compelled to speak of what they had seen and heard, not just because they had heard and not just because they saw what Jesus did, but because the power that flowed through Jesus was now flowing through them. The works that he did, they were now doing. Experiencing truth is the greatest convincer of truth. So what I mean by that is experiencing the truth of God's power flowing through you in obedience will convince you to a greater degree of the truth of everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did.
um, and experience of truth is the backbone and power of our faith. It is the thing that will cause us to stand up under pressure. Um, if we will obey the Spirit but once and experience the fruit thereof, we will be more convinced of the truth of Jesus than we have ever been. Then the conviction to testify will be overwhelming. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard by the hand of our Savior and through our own hands by the work of the Spirit. So, all of that to say that uh, these men, Peter and John, were now doing the work that Jesus promised, the greater things that Jesus said that they would do and that we would do, they were walking in it. And each moment that they saw healing leave their hand, they grew more, more convinced that this Jesus was the Christ, that this Jesus was the Savior. And the same is true for us. That moment of obedience when we see a life changed because we were obedient to the Spirit or a heart overjoyed because we spoke the word that we were supposed to, suddenly Jesus becomes real, very, very real. Not just real as Savior, but real as healer, real as peacemaker, Realize all of the things that he was. Amen? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that is available to us through obedience to the Spirit in the name of Jesus. We just pray and thank you for this uh, testimony of Peter and John in this moment of standing and giving account of what they had seen and heard not just by what you had done, Jesus, but what Holy Spirit you had done through them. I pray that this becomes our testimony, that we would be bold in every situation to speak the truth in love because you have used us to change the lives around us. You have used us to bring our city to you. It just brings sundown to mind. I just pray over each one here that we would be obedient in the moments in our workplaces as we shop, as we do the things in our day, as we hear the tiny voice or see the pictures, that we would be faithful to complete them. Because you will take a city for your own if your people will be obedient. I pray that over sundown. I pray that over this church. And I pray that over each one of us gathered here this evening. Just thank you for the cookies and cake that we are about to receive. We just thank you. We thank you for Cindy. We thank you for Kimberly. We thank you for everything that it has meant in our body. I thank you for the word that you brought to us through Cindy on Sunday. I know that it touched my heart, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.